Hi guys, Joe here. Just before you listen to this episode, just letting you know that unfortunately we had some software issues when recording. Unfortunately, it's made Craig's voice sound a little bit quiet and patchy in some areas. We've tried to fix it as much as we can, so it's not as bad as it once was, but it's still a bit iffy in some areas. So yeah, just thought I'd let you know. So without further ado, let's talk about the AFC East. Welcome to the American Football Show. This is the sixth episode of our Picker Team series. We are in the AFC East today, and let's just get straight started away with Craig in Buffalo. The Bills make me wanna shout. kick your heels up and shout. throw your hands up and shout. throw your head back and shout. Come on now, the Bills are making it happen now. Stand up now, come on and shout. So, the Buffalo Bills, playing out of the New Era Field in the city of Buffalo, New York, on the northeast coast of the United States. A city that is known for its cold weather, its good food, most popular being the, the Buffalo Wing, and it just it being one of the major trade routes on the Canadian border, which, you know, given the area, it's an interesting, the city's an interesting mix of, like, American, Canadian, French, Native American cultures. There's a bit of a mishmash there. Uh, Buffalo Bills began their pro football life as the seventh team of the original eight to be admitted into the new American Football League. Uh, the franchise was awarded to Ralph C. Wilson on October 28, 1959, who owned the team from its establishment until his death in 2014. The team was then sold to Terence Pagula and his wife Kim later that year, who own it now. The history of the Buffalo Bills began in 1960 when the team began to play as a charter member of the American Football League, or the AFL, winning two consecutive AFL titles in 1964 and 65. The club joined the National Football League as part of the 1970 AFL-NFL major. The Bills have the distinction of being the only team to advance to four consecutive Super Bowls between 1990 and 1993, but they also have the distinction of losing all four of them and are yet to win a Super Bowl. That's not, you know, it's a good record to have, but at the same time when you're losing all of them, it's just as painful as the Vikings were, isn't it? Um, so, the Bills were not the first professional football team to play in Buffalo. Professional football had been played in Buffalo and in upstate New York since the beginning of the 20th century. In 1915, Barney Leopard's Buffalo All-Stars were founded. That team was then later repla- replaced by the Niagara's in 1918, the Prospects in 1919, and the Prospects were the basis of what would become the Buffalo All-Americans who joined what would become the NFL in 1920. After changing their name to the Bisons in 1924, after just... Once, uh, they had one season in the meantime where they changed it to the Raiders in 1926. Uh, the team was suspended of uh, their operations in 27 and then they came back in 29 and ended up refolding again. So there was a lot of a lot of changing names and folding and coming back and folding and coming back in the, in the early history. Okay. Uh, after Buffalo hosted two NFL games in 1938, which was something that became a, a semi-regular occurrence for the city, the American Football League installed the Buffalo Indians into the city. Indian played, Indians played for two years before the league suspended and ultimately folded due to World War II. After the war, when the All-American Football Conference formed, um, Buffalo was again selected uh, for the team, uh, city itself for the team, originally known as the Buffalo Bisons. The name of the baseball team and at the time the hockey team in the area, but the team sought its own new identity, so the Bills nickname was suggested part of a fan contest in 1947 to rename the Buffalo's All-American Football Conference 
team, the Bills. Um, so the Bills name itself, it references a frontiersman, Buffalo Bill Cody, and was selected over the Bullets, Nichols and Blue Devils. When the AAFC merged with the NFL in 1950, the Bills were merged into the Cleveland Browns. Though there was no connection between the, the, the old AAFC team and the new current team, the Bills name provided to be popular enough that it was used uh, for the namesake for the, the team that they have today. Uh, going into the jerseys and the team colours, the official team colours are white, red, navy blue and royal blue. Their current uniforms are either white with blue and red numbers and trim or blue with white and red numbers and trim. That may change because quite a few teams have been bringing out some new jerseys out of their, their get-ups might change slightly, but they do have quite nice jerseys. Bill's jerseys are some of my favourite. They're really clean, especially that white one, really fresh looking. Uh, Bill's have... Um, so their mascot, their mascot is a big blue buffalo called Billy Buffalo. Um, He's a bit of a nutter, which I quite enjoy what you want from a mascot, from a mascot, but I'm not surprised when they have one of the more infamous fan bases in the NFL, uh, a fan base that goes by the name of the Bills Mafia. They're known for crazy pre-game tailgates and shenanigans. Um, now, that, now that they've not been as fortunate as some teams, um, as they've been with their on-field success, uh, the Buffalo teams, you know, the past two decades have lost a lot of games, but they've Spawned a dedicated group of hardcore fans who drink alcohol out of bowling balls, spray ketchup on each other, and most famously jump through tables or throwing someone through a table. It seems to have become their thing now. Now I know that sounds pretty crazy, but whatever town they go and play in, it's common for hardware stores to completely sell out of tables because Buffalo Bills fans are buying them all up and jumping through them. Any questions? Are the Bills fans your favourite fans in the NFL outside Ravens? Um, they are up there. I'm quite fond of Bills fans, and to be honest, I'm quite fond of the the, the Raiders fans. Like I think they, um, the Raiders are another team that are really good when it comes to, to tailgates and a good hardcore fan base that go all out on a game day. I've never jumped through a table <laughs> yet. That sure sounds like a challenge you. when we get to we, yeah, we all rock actually. up at Wembley <laughs> in the future. I'd jump through a table if the opportunity presented itself. I mean, if you put enough drink down, we yeah, probably would. I think I confirm that. <laughs> okay, um, moving on. Question. Okay, go on. I've got one question. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of hell, uh, hike around the Bills this year. Um, yep. Obviously, because of the other departures in the division. Do you think they'll live up to the hype? Um, yeah. In all honesty, yeah. I think they've got they've got some. I mean, I was going to I'll bring it up a little bit later when I talk about the current team, but they've got some big. You know, they've had a couple of big signings on that offense, and um, that defense is is pretty solid. Like whichever team they've come up against, they've they've given them a hard time. Yeah, I agree. They got they got one of the better defenses without a doubt. Yeah. I think with the like you were saying, with some of some of the big name departures that are leaving that division now and with the, the with the, um, the Jets as well, they're also getting better, you know, it's a, it's becoming a, a much more competitive division than it, it has been over the past like dec- not the Jets, sorry, the Dolphins. I apologize. Okay, moving on to rivalries. Uh, Miami Dolphins. Historically Buffalo's biggest rival. The rivalry first game traction when the Dolphins won every matchup against the Bills in the 1970s for an NFL record 20 straight wins against a single opponent. That That's quite a rough stretch, that, I'm not going to lie. Um, the Bills defeated the Dolphins in the first matchup in the 1980s to end that streak. 
It forced use change in the following decades, however, with the rise of Jim Kelly and the Buffalo's franchise Buffalo's franchise quarterback at the time. I know the Kelly's Dolphins and the quarterback of the the Kelly Bills, sorry, and the Dan Marino led Dolphins. Um, they shared quite a competitive rivalry in the nineteen eighties and nineteen nineties. Bills became dominant in the nineteen nineties. It was really when they started to sort of pick up some traction and get a lot better as a team after a rough ten years. Um, Things have since cooled down after the retirement of Kelly and Marino and the rise of New Eng- the New England Patriots, but Miami remains to still be a, a fierce rival of the Bills. Coming in second place in a recent poll of Buffalo's primary rivals, the two teams have typically been close to each other in win-loss re- win records. Miami leads this uh, series overall, 61-50 to 50 to one draw as of 2018, uh, but the Buffalo uh, has the advantage in the playoffs with a 3-1. to one win in the playoffs, including the win in the 1992 AFC Championship game. Moving on from there, another big rival of theirs, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, was the New England Patriots. Uh, the rivalry with the Patriots first started when you know both the teams were original franchises in the American Football League prior to the merger. After the rise of head coach Bill Belichick and, and Tom Brady, the infamous quarterback of New England, the Patriots have dominated the AFC East for a reasonable amount of time now. Uh, the Bills-Patriots rivalry in particular has become quite lopsided, as the Patriots are 35-1 to against the Bills, uh, 31-5, to sorry, uh, against the Bills since Belichick became head coach in 2000. This has led to many fans and, and players in the 2000s and, and beyond to, re- to you know, think it's, it's replaced the rivalry there with the Dolphins as the most hated rival by the Bills. Uh, overall, completely, since, since they've been both been playing each other. The Patriots lead that series 76 to 43 to 1. Rivalry is also notable because quite a few players have played for both teams, such as Drew Bledsoe, Doug Flutie, uh, Brandon Spikes, Chris Hogan, uh, and Stefan Gilmore, who's you know one of their top defensive stars now, has also played at the Bills at one point in his career. Uh, their other big divisional rival, the Jets, again, they were both original teams, but they both also represent the state of New York. So you've got quite a, a geographical rivalry there. You've also got two fan bases that like they have a low, a low key grudge and respect for each other because they're also from the same kind of area, and they're also two teams that have also played with the same kind of a record. Um, they have had some competitive games between the two, so um, it might not be as fierce as the other two, but it's still definitely a rivalry there. Uh, other ones to mention uh, is Tennessee Titans, uh, Cleveland Browns, uh, Kansas City Chiefs. There's a bit of a rivalry there. And in recent years, bitterness just seems to be emerging between the Bills and the Jacksonville Jaguars, who've, you know, they handed Buffalo the first playoff loss in their new field when they moved in there in the, in the mid-90s. Um, both teams, you know, they occupy small media markets, and they were both struggling at the time when this first started to emerge, but it really sort of started to pick up some traction when the, the Bills head coach at the time, Doug Marone, he quit on the team after the 2014 season where he'd had enough, and he was hired as a, a coaching assistant with the Jacksonville Jaguars and managed to, to rise up and become their, their head coach and since then there's been a, a bit of bitterness and a bit of back and forth between the two teams. Um, since it all started, the series featured with a, a Bills loss to the Jaguars in London. They've had a, a, an ugly low scoring playoff game in, in 2017 and there was a lot of trash talk from some of the Jags players at the time when, when Jalen Ramsey was there and it ended up breaking out into a brawl between the two teams in 2018 so there's definitely a bit, a bit of a heated hatred between the two teams there. So moving on from rivalries, moving on to, to famous players and coaches. Um, number one on the list out of all of the lists I looked at, and then I've ended up picking the top five list in the end, it was all, always topped by Bruce Smith. 
played defensive ends between 1985 and 1999. Was the number one overall pick in 1985. He's in the in the Hall of Fame inductee. Uh, 2009, all-time leading NFL sack leader with 200 sacks. Yeah, it's quite an impressive record, including the team's individual record of a 171 with the Bills. Yeah, he's also a Bills record 11-time Pro Bowl selection. A member of the Bills all-time team. Appeared in the NFL's decade team in both the 80s and the 90s and ranks 20th in NFL history with 279 games played and that's 7th among non-kickers. Uh, next on the list we've got Jim Kelly, QB, played between 1986 and 1996, Hall of Fame inductee 2002, 5-time Pro Bowl selection, Bills all-time leader in passing yards, completions, attempts and touchdown passes. Uh, at the time of his retirement his 84.4 QB rating was ranked 6th in NFL history and he was 10th in passing yards. For the third player on the list we've got the, the more well-known you might have heard of him OJ Simpson played the position of running back between 1969 and 1977. Hall of Fame inductee in 1985 six-time Pro Bowl selection at retirement ranked second only to Jim, Jim Brown in his career rushing yards. Three-time NFL player of the year in 1972, 73 and 75 and became the first man to rush for 2,000 yards in a single season. All of the stuff with his wife, I'll leave out of that. If you want to look into that, you can do. It's, it's pretty well known. Um, next on the list, Thurman Thomas, position running back. He played between 1988 and 1999. Hall of Fame inductee in 2007. Five-time Pro Bowl selection. First player in NFL history to lead NFL in yards from scrimmage for straight years. From 1989 to 1992, named to the NFL's all-time uh, all team of the 1990s, all-time Bills leader in rushing yards and total touchdowns. Uh, and the last guy on the list, Andre Reid, uh, wide receiver, played between 85 and 99, Hall of Fame inductee in 2004, seven-time Pro Bowl selection, ranks tied for first in Bills history with 87 touchdowns with Thurman Thomas, all-time leader in catches, receiving yards and receiving touchdowns. He holds the team record for games played with 221. Is there any guys off that list you feel like should have been on there? There's not many Buffalo legends, really, is it? If you've got to like bring up a murderer, other than Jim Kelly and Bruce Smith, that's about it, isn't it, for Buffalo? Yeah, Who do you think the next couple... Bills legend is? It's not Josh Allen. <laughs> Could be um, what's his name there? Tredavious White. He's quality. Yeah, if he stays, they're quite a. They're not necessarily. I mean, they have they have got some stars on there, but when you when you compare them to some other stars, they're not really a a team that has just like a few standout players. They're really like a a very solid team. Yeah, yeah, especially on that defense, which I, I quite like and appreciate about them. Like they might not be these these big high round draft picks and stuff, but they all go in there, they all do the job, they all get the job done and play hard and did it incredibly you know, that defensive ranked second last season, you know. Okay, so from now we'll move on to the current team. Last year the Bills had quite an impressive rise to power and are looking to continue to be an intimidating prospect for any team they come up against. Already being predicted to be one of the top five teams in the league by quite a few lists that I've looked at to be honest. So it's quite the compliment for them. Um, for next season, they will definitely be a team to watch and to be respected. Uh, head coach Sean McDermott will be hoping to build on the success of last year and this, uh, their young star QB. 
uh, his breakout season and with a defence that I said just a little bit earlier was ranked second overall uh, which some would consider to be you know even though it's lacking in big star name players very tough, they're like a bend, don't break defence, the do your job style defence which, you know, given any team they come up against, they, they do give a real tough time and it's a real strength for this current team on the offence, they've got a nice combination of Josh Allen's ability to run and to throw, uh, they've got Devin Singletary, his versatility and his ability to run and catch in the backfield, backed up by DJ Eldon and Tyron Jones the team's also added Viking star wide receiver Stefan Diggs, which is a really big addition for them, I'm really interested to see how he does here um, to a wide receiver core that already contained John Brown, who was one of my favourites last season, great receiver, and, and Cole Beasley. Anything, anything you you would like to say on the current team at the moment? Yeah, with um, going back to the uh, postseason last year, obviously the Bills got knocked out uh, by the Texans, wasn't it? I believe. Yeah. How much do you think? Josh Allen will take from that experience because obviously he started the game really well, but at the end he sort of panicked and almost threw it away a little bit for the Bills. Yeah, it's got to be a, I think it was an area where he's a, got to improve. I think it's definitely a. It was his first time in the playoffs. Um, you know, he's a young guy. I think he, you could see, you know, at the end of the first by the end of the first quarter, especially, like he had sort of he had started strong, he had started fast, he got a bit of a lead, and you could, you could see the cockiness coming out and he was a bit maybe overconfident in what was happening and then when the, the Texans did start to come back and the momentum started to shift a little bit I think it, it it wobbled him you could see his you know his confidence started to wane a bit and he panicked a bit like you said and I think going forward now he's now he's been in that position yeah I think I think with how good Stefan Diggs is with the deep ball particularly and Josh Allen's preference to throw that deep ball like you said, John Brown's a really good receiver. He's a, a very fast guy. And then Colby's he's a really a really good slot. I think that 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 receiver core is really gonna do some do some great things. Good, good trio. That and like I said, but they've got that. I mean, it might not quite be to like the Ravens level, but when you've got that a QB who can run and you've got a good running back who can run and not also you know not only just run but catch, you've also got a, like a a couple of bruises there who can run in the backfield as well. Like it's a it's a versatile offense. There's a lot of lot of different threats there. So the, the last, finally, the only thing I've got to add to that is just some some famous fans, some famous Bill fans are CNN's Wolf Blitzer, which is a name I quite appreciate, uh, ESPN, ESPN's Chris Berman, uh, One Seal star Chad Michael Murray, uh, Shooter McGavin himself, Christopher McDonald, uh, and actor William Fitchner. I eat pieces of shit like you for breakfast. <laughs> Shooter McGavin. Right, yeah, so I've been given uh, the near impossible task of trying to convince you guys uh, why you should be able to support the New England Patriots. So, <laughs> you've got, we'll just skip obviously, this. yeah, yeah, if real fans will uh, go straight past this. But no, uh, listen to me, I'll try and do what I can. I know it's not easy, but I've written some things down here. So, 
the New England area uh, is actually the most uh, successful area uh, for sports teams, specifically Boston. But of course, you've got the Celtics, yeah, you've got the Bruins, you've got the Red Sox, and of course, you have the New England Patriots. So the Patriots, they began when Boston business executive William Sullivan and Sullivan Brothers Printers, owned by Joseph Sullivan, they were awarded the eighth and final franchise of the developing AFL on November 16th, 1959. So the team were originally known as the Boston Patriots. Uh, of course, the Patriots referring to the 13 Connollys who rebelled against British control during the American Revolution, uh, which of course led to the USA becoming an independent nation. Uh, the Patriots as a nickname was suggested by about 74 fans and soon after the old school Pat Patriot logo was created. So the Pats we were fairly unsuccessful in the time of the AFL. The Bills dominated uh, our division. They made an AFL Championship game in 1963, but unfortunately were beaten 51-10 by the Chargers. Of course, the NFL and AFL merger came in 1970, and the Patriots were put into the AFC East, where they remain to this day. The year after, the Patriots moved to their new stadium in Foxborough, which is where they changed their, new, changed their name sorry, to the New England Patriots to recognise that move. So... The Patriots, just as a general history, uh, have made an ele- a record 11 Super Bowl appearances, nine of which have been since the turn of the millennium, of which they've won six, which is also the most alongside the Pittsburgh Steelers. So going back, uh, back in time a little bit, in the late 70s and early 80s, the Pats were a fairly mediocre side, made a playoffs a few times, uh, but never really managed to get past the divisional round. This did change, however, in the 1985 season when uh, Raymond Berry, in his first full year as head coach, took the Pats to their first ever Super Bowl. However, they were beaten convincingly 46-10 by that incredible Chicago Bears team. So it was a fairly miserable decade or so until the Pats returned to their second Super Bowl in the 1996 season, which was Bill Parcells' last year one. Yet again, they had no luck when they were beaten 35-21 by the Packers in New Orleans. At the beginning of the Parcells area in 1993, the logo changed from Pat the Patriot to the current, what's known as the Flying Elvis logo, which I actually preferred Pat the Patriot, but you know, this uh, Flying Elvis has brought us a bit of a success. So sort of behind the scenes at this time, uh, the owner then, James uh, Orthway, he offered the landlord, Robert Kraft, 75 million to break the clause in the contract and move the Patriots to St. Louis which obviously would have changed the whole history of the, of the franchise. Kraft completely refused, uh, which led Orthwide to put the team up for sale, which is when Robert Kraft bought it. And that's a businessman for you. Played him right out and managed to get the, the franchise he wanted. After Parcells, uh, Pete Carroll was the head coach for four years. He got to the postseason twice. Uh, however, in the year 2000 is when things really changed for the better. Uh, former Browns head coach known as uh, Bill Belichick became the main man in New England. Bill's first season was a losing one. Uh, his actual only losing season he's had with the Patriots. And then in the offseason, they drafted Tom Brady with the 199th pick. And the rest is history. I will go back on to some of well, the, the Bill and Brady dynasty in a bit. Does anyone have any questions about the original history of the Pats? Yeah, New York got a question about something you said about the most championships ever was Boston. I think you'll find it's New York, Joe. I'm not, you're not getting Are you away sure? with that. 
Yes. Are you sure? Because I yep. thought Pittsburgh was second and Boston was first. No, New York got 55 championships. Boston got 34. So you're not getting away oh. with that one. Blimey, I actually, I genuinely checked this up earlier and it said Boston. I don't know what has gone on. Maybe they were only counting up to a certain point, but fair enough. I'll let you have a word with your down. research department, mate. <laughs> Any other questions? It's, it's the Patriots, Joe. I'm going to pick your holes in absolutely yeah. everything you say. Yeah, no, you go for it. You go <laughs> for it, honestly. I'll say something positive about the Patriots. They're old uh, sort of retro uniforms. They are probably one of the better ones when they bring them back yeah. every year. You're talking I about the like, one. Yeah. I prefer the Patriot myself when you were saying oh, about okay. the Yeah. Yeah. It is nice. Big fan. But yeah, Pat Patriot, definitely better looking. I've got myself a, a beanie with the Pat Patriot logo and I just wish it was still still there. And a lot of fans agree as well. Although some of them do have a bit of a, they're worried that bringing back Pat the Patriot will bring back losing times. So, you know, let them have their superstitions there. It's coming. It's coming. It's, it's not coming. It's not coming. We're going to hold it off as long as we can. Right. So going off from a bit of the history, I'm going to go on some top players. There has been a lot of top players for the Patriots, especially within the last 20 years. So I'm just going to give a few honourable mentions to uh, Wes Welker, Vince Wilfork, Adam Vinatieri, Stephen Gotzkowski, Randy Moss and uh, Antonio Brown. No, joking, not Antonio Brown. But in all seriousness, the top five players I've got here, which have been voted by Patriots fans. So these are mainly people that have been there for a long time uh, at the franchise rather than people that made a short impact. So at number five, I've got Ty Law, the cornerback, who was with us between 95 and 2004. He was only five foot 11, uh, but he was a uniquely physical cornerback. He, you know, he was capable of delivering hard hits and also bumping wide receivers off their routes. Apart from his final season, he recorded multiple interceptions every year with the Pats, so he had a very solid nine years or so with us. Number four, I've got Andre Tippett, who was a linebacker between 1982 and 1993. So he was a crucial player for the Patriots in the 80s and also played a big role in reaching that 85 Super Bowl. He finished uh, with a good uh, stat, actually, which got him into Hall of Fame. He had 100 sacks in 151 games. So pretty solid, a consistent sort of career for him. At number three, I've got my favourite uh, Patriots player of all time, Rob Gronkowski. So he was a tight end for the Patriots between 2010 and 2018. He is considered one of, if not the best tight end in NFL history. He's a goofy bloke uh, with pure athleticism and talent. In my opinion, I think when people talk about the Pats, they hate Brady, they hate Belichick, but not as many people hated Gronkowski only because he was just such a, a wacky character and just so good. I think a lot of people could admire who he was. Unfortunately, he had a lot of injuries at his time of the Patriots, which may not make all his career stats look as amazing as he was, but he was a total clutch player, especially in the playoffs. If he was fit, you could always count on him. So number two, I've got John Hanna, who was a guard between 1973 and 1985. So he is widely regarded as one of the best defensive linemen of all time, not just in Patriots history, but in the, purely in the NFL. He was a key player uh, for the record-setting rushing attack. So the 1978 Patriots, I still believe, hold the record of 3,165 rushing yards in a uh, regular season. Number one, uh, who else? Tom Brady. So when he stepped in for quarterback, 
uh, Drew Blesdow back in the 2001 season. He was only really expected to play a few games and let Blesdow take over, especially as Blesdow had signed a recent 10-year contract. However, he played so well when he stepped in that he stayed the starting quarterback for the rest of his Patriots career. Uh, with six Super Bowl rings, he's referred to in many as the GOAT. And having left about two months ago, at the end of the two, uh, 2019 season, he is going to be sorely missed in New England and already is. Does anyone have any questions about any of those players at all? So, you said Gronk's probably the best tight end to ever do it. Would you take Gronk over Gonzalez, Tony, Tony Gonzalez, or would like, would you say he was better than Gonzalez? I'm always taking Gronk. I, I'm, I'm, I'm admittedly unbiased, but I'll, I'll always take Gronk there. Okay, fair enough. What was the? Uh, it's a, more about the history than uh, the players. But what was the worst Super Bowl loss? <sighs> so, for me personally, it would probably be the Giants one with the helmet catch. Because for me, that as a, as a young Patriots fan, that was one of the first games I remember more than anything. And yeah, that was, that was painful, that one, because it was nice and close and the, the Giants went and, went and stole it. But yeah, definitely. I, the Eagles one was obviously tough, but it was just such a good game. I couldn't, like, I could appreciate how good it was. Yeah. Yeah, no, that Giants one definitely because it was so close. Which which one of the Super Bowls was your favourite Super Bowl win? So my favourite Super Bowl win, and this is I was gonna go into this later on, but I'm more than happy to talk about it. Talk about it now. Uh a lot of Patriots fans would say Falcons at the end of the twenty sixteen season, because obviously the comeback. But for yeah. me, it's the Seahawks game. Because it was just I'd almost accepted that we were gonna lose, Marshall Lynch was gonna smashing what was it two yards out yeah and when Malcolm Butler makes the interception and for about the first two seconds didn't even realize that he intercepted it just had no clue where the ball went I think it just went from pure like dismay to pure ecstasy in such a split second like that feeling was just something else and I think that is always why the Seahawks one will be my favorite Did you see the, the clip of him practicing that exact play in practice? Yeah. Like that, I thought that was pretty cool. It's just insane that they just knew to perfectly play it. Yeah, I always thought it was weird they, they put Mark and Bottler on for just that play as well. Yeah, exactly. exactly the same. I remember them saying they took 25 off and they put 21 on. It was like last second as well, wasn't it? Last second that he came on. It was just, yeah, really, think... really smart play. If we're doing this podcast for years and years, there'll ever be a point where you ask me which is my favourite Super Bowl win. I'm quite jealous of that, that you can ask that question. <laughs> <didn't you? laughs> I know, I know. It's as I say, I'm obviously being a Patriots fan, there's a lot of stuff that comes with it, but I do I am grateful and I do understand that it's it's not every fan ever gets to see that much success. And I know probably I'm not gonna see that for a long, long time now. But it's just something you've got to take in and just enjoy. And, and yeah, I, I'm sure another team will get there. You know, you look at the Chiefs, you look at Patrick Mahomes right now. He could end up with six rings easily by the end of his, his career. And you could be asking Chiefs fan, oh, what's your favourite out of your eight Super Bowl wins or whatever? So I do, I do think each team has its time if it's run properly. Another question. Uh, how do you live with yourself? 
I just uh, I just keep watching highlights, mate, and start and feel good from, uh, from all those wins. And just think about you boys. Think about you boys. I was going to say, does it get boring winning all the time? No, no, it doesn't. It, well, it's because it's been very enjoyable watching Joe suffer a normal off season. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. It, it no, it doesn't get boring at all. You just don't. It, you still get the nerves, the same nerves. I'm sure. Obviously, the ecstasy may sort of slow down. If, you know, when you win like that Rams win for me, you felt it was almost routine. And I, I was more relieved rather than like, oh my god, yes, we won the Super Bowl. It's like, cool, we got part. God, of that. you guys are the worst. No, no, no. no that's, that's, that's honesty. That is pure honesty because that was always the one where I was like, oh, you know, they they could probably do us, but no, it was it was relief that we managed to to do that. Anyway, I will um go on to those a little bit later on. I'm just gonna quickly, briefly go over rivalries. So, of course, you've got the three teams in the division. My personal least favourite being the Jets. Just it is what it is. Sorry, Jets fans. Not big fans of you. Don't mind the Bills too much and the Dolphins are, are all right. You can I can respect the history, but you've still got those three rivalries. You've got uh, the New York Giants, of course, with those two Super Bowls in which Eli Manning beat us twice. There's always going to be a bit of a rivalry there. Uh, I've got the Ravens as well. I mean, Craig mentioned it on a, on a previous episode when we covered the AFC North but the Ravens has been a bit of a, a postseason matchup that happened quite a bit in the last sort of decade or so and they've always been tight interesting games you know two teams sort of towards the top of the, the AFC then you've got the uh, Colts so of course in sort of in the early mid 2000s there was the the Manning Brady sort of competition was going on quite a bit and also more recently uh, you've got the whole deflate gate and I will go on that a bit later and then last but not least I'm going to give the Steelers a mention just because as I say the Patriots and the Steelers been sort of at the top of the AFC for the last 20 years or so face each other a lot in playoffs and whenever there's a regular season game it's it's pretty intense I believe we've got quite a bit of a lead over them uh, when it comes to head to head in the last 20 years but yeah that's always a an interesting rivalry there. So, obviously, post-2000, uh, you have the Brady-Belichick era. So I'm just going to quickly list off a few things that have happened because a lot has happened, and otherwise I'd be here all day. So, of course, in that period, I've uh, reached Super Bowl nine times, uh, lost three uh, to the Giants in 07 and 2011, and the Eagles uh, in the 2017 season, which Adam remembers very fondly. We have won six against the Rams in 2001-2018 season, Panthers in the 2003 season, Eagles 2004 season, Seahawks, of course, mentioned earlier in the 2014 season, and then, of course, that comeback against the Falcons in the 2016 season. So, also in this period, so the Patriots had a team that went 16-0 in a regular season and nearly became the second team ever uh, to have a perfect record before the Giants won in Super Bowl 42. They drafted a gentleman named Aaron Hernandez in 2010. Uh, he was obviously later convicted of murder. Uh, he murdered a man called Odin Lloyd in the offseason before the 2013 season and was put on trial before the season started. He was also acquitted of a double murder that took place in 2012. So with the Aaron Hernandez stuff, obviously there's a lot more information to come with it. I recommend watching that Netflix series. 
inside the mind of Aaron Hernandez, I believe, what the title was. So go have a watch of that. Great little series, and it explains a lot about CTE in American football. So there was a lot of poor PR for the Patriots as well. Uh, a lot of fans, rival fans, do like to call us cheats uh, because there's been a couple incidents. There was in the 2015 AFC Championship game, sorry, in 2015, uh, against the Colts, the Patriots were found to have deflated all 11 of their footballs, not even a few, but all 11 uh, to be able to help, well, to, so that we know how to play with deflated footballs. The Colts don't change how the ball goes in the air, etc. And yeah, uh, big problem there. Whole investigation went into it. It led to Tom Brady being suspended for four games of the 2016 season and also the loss of two draft picks and I think a $1 million fine. Uh, the Pats were also accused of spying on Jets' defensive coaches' signals in 2007. And there was also another uh, claim of spying the season just gone. So, unfortunately, there is that bad stigma that comes with the Patriots. I'm personally not proud of it, but there's been a few uh, bending of the rules, shall we say, to try get a try get a benefit there. So, of course, when I say Patriots Super Bowls, they're never straightforward. Personal Two of my favourites, which I mentioned earlier, there was one of the greatest inceptions by Malcolm Butler in Super Bowl 49. I think there's about 30-odd seconds left on the clock. And the Seahawks looked like they were going to score a touchdown. Uh, instead of running with Marshall Lynch, just tried to throw it. Malcolm Butler intercepts. Patriots win. And then also two years later, which in my opinion is one of the greatest sporting comebacks ever. And Super Bowl 51, Patriots were trailing at 28-3 with just over two minutes left in the third quarter. They came back in that third and fourth quarter, took it to overtime and managed to win. So that's just a few highlights of the dynasty of the last 20 years, which is the reason a lot of people have come on board as Patriots fans and you will find quite a lot. Admittedly, the success bandwagon team, people like to refer to it as. And it's true, if a team has success, they, they gain a lot of fans. It happens in every sport. But yeah, the dynasty came to an end last season. Uh, Tom Brady went and signed with the Buccaneers along with his old teammate, Rob Gronkowski, which is going to be very odd for Patriots fans to, uh, to watch. Do you think some fans will jump ship now that uh, the GOAT, so-called GOAT oh. anyway, has, uh, has gone? I hope not. I, I don't see, I, personally, I don't see how you can. I mean, unless people have literally just, they support Tom Brady. There's people, who, there's people who support Tom Brady, there's people who support the Patriots. If people who claim to be Patriots fans decide to jump ship, good riddance because you know they're not committed to the team and if it happens it happens but I really hope not so are you and are you not going to purchase a Tom Brady Buccaneers jersey uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> I, well I like the jersey I like Tom Brady doesn't mean I support him but maybe for like nostalgia to put up on the wall <laughs> yeah I may buy a Tom Brady jersey because I love the I love the look of the white one they've got there down in Tampa Bay. I see he's changing already. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep an eye out. I'll keep an eye out. I've, all, I've always liked the Bucks person anyway. I know people say, oh, of course you do. But I have mentioned it uh, before this happened. So, no, I hope they do really well, in all fairness. If they were to go to the Super Bowl, of course I'd support them. But no, obviously, if they were playing the Patriots, I'd want to win 50 nil. I, I really want to see that game. I really want to I'd, see that I'd pay. Bucks, <laughs> like, I hope they may... I, I hope it, it like it just make the playoffs and it's a playoff game. 
like if you get in as a, a wild card or something and you, you just play against each other like I, I just I really want to see that game it'd be ah, bonkers fuck, bro. yeah well if it was super where it's just I, it would be un, yeah, uncomprehendable really seeing Tom Brady and another team throwing against us sounds awful but hope they are uh, oh my god if hard. he threw a, a winning touchdown to Gronk oh <laughs> that'd be great wouldn't it my TV would be out the window. You'd have an entire stadium of people conflicted and not really knowing what to do with themselves. If I saw people clapping, I would be fuming, personally. It's just it's just one of those. Cool. Right then, so on to the current team. So this is sort of uncharted territory for a lot of modern Patriots fans like myself. Jared Stidham, uh, he's now the starting quarterback. Well, quarterback supposedly uh, it's his second year in an offense with very few weapons at the moment our best offensive player is Julian Edelman who has now become the face of the franchise he's the most recognized player on the offense side of the ball anyway and hopefully along with offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels uh, McDaniels has managed to always run an offense with limited tools and I'm hoping he'll be able to keep that up this year working with Bill to work out where Stidham's strengths are and what they can do to, to give us the best chance the Patriots' defense is is super solid. In my opinion, was a top three defense last year. Of course, uh, Stephen Gilmore, who oh, I, I would say is the best cornerback in the NFL, he won Defensive Player of the Year last season. So on that defense side of the ball, we we have lost players like Carl Van Noy and Jamie Collins. Went and that's two two big hits, but I believe that Bill knows what he's doing. And with some of the big guns like Gilmore there, like McCourty still there, uh, that defense will still be strong. And hopefully, hopefully, yeah, we see a bit, bit more next year. Uh, however, there are no expectations next year, which is sort of nice. Uh, no real pressure. So it's it's, a, it's the start of a rebuild for the Patriots. And to be honest, if we went two and fourteen, as long as Stidham wasn't awful and there was a bit of game time going. It's cool. It's a rebuild. We've had we've had our share of success. So, if you guys so. get Trevor Lawrence, I'm kicking off. <laughs> if we get Trevor Lawrence, then it's happy days, really, isn't it? Then not happy him. days at all, Joe. Okay, sorry, sorry. Try not to be biased. My bad. It would be interesting. <laughs> let's put it that way. Social media would be a uh, would be popping off, and it would be great. I mean, if that did happen, imagine the sort of you know the young QBs in that division would just be. Off the chart, really. Yeah, it'd be outrageous, wouldn't it? Be good to see. It'd make the uh, AFC East a bit more exciting than it has been in the last last twenty years or so. Yeah, definitely. Any other questions at all about Pat's next season? What you guys think will happen, etc. Do you believe in Jared Stidham? Belichick does, so I do. That's how I'm going. Bring big does Belichick back. believe in him? Big Vince will for you should bring Big Vince back. <laughs> I would love Big Vince to come back. <laughs> Let him play in his old dungarees as well. He loves it. Oh, I love Will for. Do you think they'll bring another quarterback in? Cam Newton's still around now. I know our, our cap space isn't amazing, but I think I think Dalton was the best shout, and of course he's now gone off to the Cowboys. You've got Hoyer in there. I don't really like Hoyer. But 
I, I feel I feel Stidham does need someone to push him because if there's no one to really push him, is he going to excel to to what he could be? I think I think if Cam Newton wants to come in, but I don't think we got the money for it. So unfortunately, no. I think it's going to be how it is right now. Don't fancy trading for Josh Rosen, dear. <laughs> you know what, Josh Rosen in that draft was a. Uh, he was sort of mocked the Pats quite a few times on, on a lot of people's lists, but never, never went. He's someone that I would like to try to see what he could do because he's obviously not going to get much time in Miami now. But I don't know. Yeah, I, he, uh, Josh I, Rosen interests me. I think Josh yeah. Rosen will get cut rather than traded because they're not going to keep him on the roster, surely. They can't trade him. So I could see him working out of the Pats. Yeah. Yeah, I can't see uh, Flores wanting to do uh, Bill any favours, to be honest. Not if they're in the same division. <laughs> That's true, actually. Yeah, if he if he doesn't rate Rosen at all, then maybe he might ship him off. Last little section, famous fans. Quite a lot of uh, big names here. So I've got about nine or ten. So you've got Matt Damon. Uh, you've got Chris Evans, as in Captain America, Chris Evans. You've got Conan O'Brien, Mark Wahlberg, Harry Kane. John Krasinski, Elton John, Bon Jovi, and John Cena. That is one hell of a list. Elton John? Elton John, yeah. Okay, where did he come from? He was in England, I think. He's Watford. Exactly. Oh, (laughs) Oh, he loves the Pats. It's all right. We'll we'll invite him in. Bit annoyed Jim from The Office is a Pats fan, to be honest. Oh, yeah, he's a big Pats fan. He's a Phillies fan in, in The Office. Yeah, you, you well, guys will let anyone in, though, won't you? Hey, <laughs> cool. So that's it with the Patriots. Uh, let's move on to the Dolphins, where we've got Tim and his guest Simon uh, speaking for him. I'm going to do the Dolphins with the help from my lovely assistant, Simon, who's going to chip in and tell us a bit more what I go wrong. So I'll start off with an introduction and history. So it's actually very appropriate. As we said last week, we're looking at the Dolphins. Uh, last week was the sad death of the legendary coach, John Sh- uh, Don Shula. The Dolphins were founded by attorney politician Joe Robbie and actor-comedian Daniel Thomas, which is why Simon named both his sons Daniel and Thomas. Uh, they began playing in the AFL in 1966. The region had not had a professional football team since the days of the Miami Seahawks. Quite like that name. They played in the All-American Football Conference in 1946 before they became the first incarnation of the Baltimore Colts. Dolphins originally played all their home games in the Orange Bowl in Miami. They then moved to the new Joe Robbie Stadium after the 1986 season, where they've been ever since. And they've had absolutely hundreds of different names with sponsorships. My personal favourite was the Landshark Stadium. What about you, Si? What's your favourite name? I'll go with that, actually, because it's a nice beer. <laughs> right, fair enough. Um, team made its first Super Bowl appearance in Super Bowl VI, losing to the Cowboys 24-3. Following year, the Dolphins completed what Patriots couldn't. They had their NFL's only perfect season, culminating in a Super Bowl win. They won all 14 of the regular season games and all three of their playoff games, including Super Bowl VII. Uh, they then won Super Bowl Eight as well, so they got back-to-back. 
Didn't get the Super Bowl then until 1982, where they lost to the Redskins, and again in 84, where they lost to the 49ers. Um, since then, they've not really had much success. What was your best season since then, Si? Um, 2008, when we had Chad Pennington, I believe, and we sort of uh, came from nowhere to win the division. And then 2016, really, when we last made the playoffs. So, like, like you said, it's been very up and down for a long time. So rivalries, the share intense rivalries, obviously the other guys spoke about the FC East opponents. Um, they've also got a couple of cross-state rivals in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Jacksonville Jaguars. They've apparently got a rivalry, which I didn't know about, with the Colts. Uh, that centered around the controversy because they hired Don Shula, who was the Colts coach and always a bit iffy. Miami had to give up a first-round draft pick for that. And personally, for me and Simon, being Raiders and Dolphins fans, is a big Dolphins Raiders fans for me. And I think since I've known you, I think the Raiders have only won once in like the hundreds of games that we've played. So, Simon, tell me, why should I support the Dolphins? Why should you support the Dolphins? Well, I mean, as I said, we've had a few up and down seasons recently. I think last year we've obviously tried getting rid, really, of all our team, um, acquiring a load <laughs> of draft picks. Um, and I think the rest of the NFL at the time were like, this isn't on. There was obviously a lot of hoo-ha about us uh, acquiring or playing a lot of uh, free agents and players that they didn't necessarily believe belonged in the NFL. Um, Brian Flores then obviously proved that he is a good coach uh, and coached up some good young players. Uh, the expectation this year is going to be interesting. Obviously, we've had 10 draft picks. There's some big names in there. Um, Expectation last year wasn't there. This year it is. Um, obviously, Tour at the minute is the number one and number two selling jersey in the NFL. So there's obviously a lot of hype around the young man. And big things are expected of him. I think for the franchise, obviously, we haven't had a quarterback really since Dan Marino. Um, how he copes with that pressure is going to be really interesting. Really, really interesting. We signed some big free agents. I think Flores is a good defensive coach. And uh, I think we're, we're, we're going to do well this year. I think really the expectation is there. And again, we've got another 10 draft picks next year. So, you know, we'll have some good capital. So uh, hopefully we've got some good stuff to build on. Uh, famous plays and staff. I came up with a couple and let Simon uh, interrupt me if he's got any others. So Don Shula, winningest coach in the NFL, 347 wins. Um, Shula was coach of the Dolphins and the Baltimore Colts before that. As I say, two Super Bowl victories back-to-back, including the only perfect season. He retired in 95, and the Dolphins haven't had a coach as good as him since. They've tried uh, making big swings for it, signing big names like uh, Jimmy Johnson, Nick Saban, and Bill Parcell, but they didn't really work out. Dan Marino, everyone knows who he is, first-round quarterback out of the class of 1983. He's held or currently holds dozens of NFL records associated with the quarterback position. and. He never won a Super Bowl. Possibly the best quarterback never to win a Super Bowl. Dolphins, I counted them up, and they've had 21 quarterbacks since Dan Marino. They've had some of the well-known names like Ray Lucas, Damon Hurd, my personal favorite, Cleo Lemon. Sounds more like a stripper. Uh, Tyler Thidpen, Matt Moore. Most successful ones, obviously Ryan Tannehill. He was pretty good until they got rid of him. Other players I personally liked very much was Ricky Williams. I'd like to wish Big Ricky a happy birthday today. I'm sure he's 
stoned out of his head right now. Uh, he played for the Dolphins for two seasons, retired for the first time from football in 2004. Due to suspension from the NFL in 2006, he played in Toronto in the CFL. He then rejoined the Dolphins in 2007, played with them until 2010. He had two of his greatest Russian seasons playing for the Dolphins in 2002 and 2003. Any other players that you want to mention there, Simon? Yeah, I think for me, I mean, Jason Taylor was a fantastic defensive end, uh, Hall of Famer. Uh, my personal favourite, uh, Zach Thomas, linebacker, only five foot eleven, but boy, could that boy play. Um, it was really good, real, real good player. Um, I did write down Ray Finkel for a laugh, uh, if anyone's obviously seen Ace Ventura. <laughs> uh, but again, I think you've got to mention the Marx brothers that played, obviously, with Dan Marino, Mark Duper and Mark Clayton. I think they really sort of introduced the NFL to the sort of passing game that it is today. Uh, sort of small receivers who just literally knew where Dan Marino was going to throw it. Uh, the last two really on my list are probably Bob Greasy and Larry Zonka from the 72 uh, teams. Again, I've Hall of Famers. Zonka jersey. Have I you? Like Zonka. I've got a Zonka jersey. Nice. A good, good, good player. Like. Yeah, and I think you know, we've had some, some other players that have obviously come to us that have made the Hall of Fame. I think obviously Thurman Thomas, you mentioned earlier, from Buffalo. Uh, I mean, Julius Sayow is another one, obviously. So, famous fans, there's uh, a pretty decent list here. Johnny Depp, Darius Rucker, Fergie, Pitbull, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Warren Buffett, um, Alec Rodriguez and Jennifer Lopez, Venus and Serena Williams, and Glorio, Gloria and Emilio Estefan. Um, I think a lot of them actually were owners at one point or another as well. So, pretty decent list of fans there for the Dolphins. I was going to ask, was that a list of fans or was that just your iPod playlist when you go to gym? <laughs> I don't think Warren Buffett plays much music, to be honest with you. He's a financier, isn't he? People, Warren Buffett, he sang uh, all the way to Margaritaville, didn't he? No, that's Jimmy Buffett, his brother. Jimmy Buffett. Warren Buffett's the richest man in America. The other's uh, all-you-can-eat meal. Any questions? Uh, Simon, who outside of Tua, uh, who was your favourite pickup this this off season? Um, I'm intrigued. Really. There's a guy from Boise State called Curtis Weaver who we drafted, and he had 13 and a half sacks and 18 and a half uh, tackles for loss. Now, I think there's a lot of people who question his work ethic, but we're really high on him for some reason. So I'm kind of interested to see how he works out. Because one of our biggest issues last year was along the defensive line. We get no pressure. We couldn't stop the run. So I'd be really interested to see how he works out. Okay. What's your, as a Dolphins fan, what's your favourite favorite Dolphins moment? Um, I mean, I started following the game in the 80s anyway. So I kind of just watching Marino play. I think that really got me hooked on the game. Just to watch a guy who couldn't run at all. He basically just stood there and threw the ball. If you watch him run, he's slower than Tom Brady, which says something. Uh, but again, just to watch him play, incredible. I think I that you the heat. Go on. I thought you were going to say it was watching them beat the Raiders in Miami and watching me get sunburned. <laughs> Actually, let's face it, Tim. We've seen the Dolphins play the Raiders twice, and the, you know it's a given who's going to win anyway. So. Yeah, exactly. And I keep betting on it every time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Simon, what so for the Dolphins this year, um, how do you think they're going to get on in the division in the East? It's going to be tough. Um, you know, I think 
I, my own opinion, Ryan Fitzpatrick will start week one. I think that will happen. Obviously, go to Foxborough week one will be great. Um, especially after what we did to the Patriots last year. That's certainly going to have a, yeah. bit, of beef, a bit of beef into it. And with the fact there's obviously a number of ex-Patriots on the, the, the team now, as well as the coach. Um, but it's going to be tough. I think, my opinion, if we can get eight and eight this year, I'd take that. I think we're building. You know, we want to see some, some offense this year. I mean, when your quarterback's your lead in Russia with 200 yards, I think that tells you something. Um, you know, we need, we, we've drafted a bit of beef on the offensive line. We've signed some free agents. So we need to see a running game. We need to see the defense, which I'm pretty sure the Flores will work his wonders with. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think eight and eight is a realistic target for us. Yeah, that's fair. Bit of a weird question because it is from the past, but uh, when you mentioned Boise State and a bad lead in Russia, what did you think a couple of years back about the JHI trade? I'd read rumblings that there was stuff going on with, with Gase. Uh, he's obviously not an easy coach to get along with. Um, it's never actually come out what went on. Um, so, yeah, I was a bit bit disappointed, really, at the time, because he was actually doing quite well for us. But, you know, I think Gase wanted to prove he was the man. Obviously, he was, because he got fired. So, uh, <laughs> I was going to say, it's a shame, really, for JJ. They didn't kind of work out. Obviously, he had a successful season with the, the, uh, the Eagles, and then... His knees obviously give way, and I don't think he's ever going to get back to yeah. the league, really. No, he's the... I'm a big fan of his. I got his jersey because obviously British player, but he's the official player for the Philadelphia MLS team for FIFA, which is interesting. Oh, OK. <laughs> going into next season, how do, how do you feel like going in? How do you think you're going to finish record-wise? Like I said, I think I think eight and eight. It's a lot better than it was last year. I think me and Tim exchanged quite a few sort of chats about it. I was optimistic that we might win one game, and obviously when we played your Ravens in week one, I was actually in the car, looked at the score uh, when I stopped and thought, "Oh God, this is just going to get worse." And then obviously we had the Patriots in week two, so a nice easy start. Um, at that point, it was, "Oh, here we go." I think a lot of the fan base were, "This is going to be a tough year," but as you saw the progression with the team. I think the biggest thing for next year is going to just be expectation. Is is calming that down? Um, obviously, with Brady leaving the Patriots. Have, do you think you might have picked some fans up due to that? Because I found, and I think you found, all of us found that, like going into week one, sort of after that game, you were sort of you were getting you know, eat, eat up on a little bit, and you were sort of being treated like a little bit of a laughing stock. But then, as as the weeks progressed, you couldn't help but start rooting for you. And like I noticed as the weeks were going on and on and on, more and more people were being like, you know what, like this team's looking better every week, and like there is players on this roster that are that are giving it their all and stuff like that. And do you think maybe maybe that you know the rise throughout the season because you still get better throughout the season might have helped you sort of pick up pick up some more fans? I think so. Again, I think we're you know as with any sporting team, when you're losing, people say oh, I don't like them anymore. And as you sort of see the progression and the improvement. Uh, the hype builds a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's coming back. Again, you can see that with the two uh, being the number one, number two selling jersey. I mean, it, even in this country, I mean, it, from what I gather, it's selling quite nicely already, you know. So we've obviously got a Definitely massive fan base in the UK. Yeah, I mean, this obviously goes back to the 80s when it started on Channel 4. And, you know, the, the fan base is Yeah, massive. you do see a lot of older uh, Dolphins fans than younger. What are you trying to say? <laughs> Saying that you've got the wisdom of a generation. <laughs> again, I think I think bald. Uh, I still got some here, <laughs> but again, I think that comes. Don't worry, I, I abuse Craig for his age enough. 
you know, it, it does come from the 80s and the glory years of Channel 4. Yeah, my dad's a Redskins fan because of that kind of time. And it's good that people have stuck with the game. Obviously, through the years, there's been hard times with the fans of the UK, but obviously, um, myself and Tim, going back from the 80s, have stuck with it. And, um, you know, through thick and thin, and hopefully from a Dolphins fan this year, it'll uh, it'll be a good one. Pay off. Is that uh, everything we've got to talk about the Dolphins, guys? Yep, that's it. Yep. Oh, the only th- actually, I'm going to bring up one thing. Has anyone seen the Devontae Parker and Michael Thomas beef? Oh, it's around. so funny. It is, isn't it? You can tell it's the off-season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you guys seen what's happened, Joe Tim and Craig? I've, I've no. heard rumours. No, I haven't. So th- there's a picture, and it was like, would you rather go against Michael Thomas all season or get covered by um, Stefan Gilmore all season or something along those lines. And Devontae Parker picks uh, Stefan Gilmore uh, and Michael Thomas just goes off in his comments. Like, there's no, really, Devontae Parker's done nothing. He's just said, uh, he picked answer A. He just put A. And Michael Thomas does like five comments just ripping into Devontae Parker for no reason. Yeah, it's quite <laughs> funny if you're bored. Go and have a look. Full day. They're personal shots as well. Yeah. They're like really savage. Oh yeah, they've not pulled any. I think Steve Smith waded in today as well. So uh, go and have a look at that if you're bored. Okay, and so finally we've got uh, the New York Jets, the last of the AFC East. So. The New York Jets, also known as Gangrene or the New York Sack Exchange, which is one of the best nicknames in the entire game. Uh, The team brought kind of the AFL, the American Football League, credibility originally. Uh, They were originally called the Titans of New York uh, in 1959 as part of that AFL, uh, one of the eight charter members. Originally called the Titans because the then owner, Harry Wismer, said uh, that Titans are bigger and stronger than Giants. So. Obviously, New York's going to have an instant rivalry with the Giants straight away. Uh, In 1963, the team was sold to the Werblin Syndicate. Uh, Harry Werblin kind of heading that up. Uh, Moved the team to the Shea Stadium near LaGuardia Airport uh, and simultaneously changed the name to the New York Jets uh, as a kind of modern move. Uh, They moved away from their gold and blue jerseys, which they started with, to the Kelly Green and White uh, which is a green and white, obviously, but a slightly different colour than what it is today. Uh, alongside this, in an attempt to save the Jets from kind of leaking money and they weren't doing too much uh, when they started up, they signed star quarterback Joe Namath out of Alabama. Uh, they went on to win Super Bowl three uh, against Don Shuler's Baltimore Colts. Um, the brightest spot kind of came... Not the brightest. They, they had a bright spot in the 80s, uh, but they typically struggled uh, before the turn of the century. A uh, string of bad coaching hires made the owner, Leon Hess, uh, persuade the legendary Bill Parcells away from the New England Patriots. Uh, he was quite a disgruntled head coach at the time. Uh, he had two or three seasons of relative success, uh, taking the Jets to one AFC championship in 1998. And then in 1999, Leon Hess, the owner, uh, died of a heart attack. Bill Parcells retired at this point. Uh, and gave control to his assistant coach, a man by the name of Bill Belichick, who who infamously approached the stand the next day uh, with an announcement written on a small napkin 
I resigned as head coach of the NYJ. So Bill Belichick clearly didn't want to be with the Jets and obviously moved up to uh, back to the Patriots. Uh, new owner Woody Johnson bought the team in 2000. Uh, his brother Christopher is the co-owner, uh, as Donald Trump actually assigned Woody Johnson as the USA ambassador to the UK, which is something quite interesting. Uh, it's difficult to talk about the Jets without talking about the stadium situation with them. Uh, the, when they were the Titans, they started out in the Polo Grounds, which was where the New York Giants used to play. Uh, and they shared that with the new New York Mets, uh, who were the expansion team in the basket, uh, the baseball league at the time. Uh, they then moved to Shea Stadium in 1964, again moving with the Mets. Uh, but because the Jets weren't very popular back then and the Mets had kind of got uh, some popularity and success, uh, they had to play at Shea Stadium with the agreement that the Mets would have priority over them during their season. And at the time, the Mets were doing quite well, so their season often poked into uh, the start of the NFL season. Uh, and this forced the Jets to play on the road, starting off nearly every season, which is, especially nowadays, you can see a huge disadvantage. Uh, from 1977, uh, they had an agreement to play two home games uh, in the Giants Stadium, which is in New Jersey. Uh, wanting to, the owner really wanted to stay at Shea Stadium, uh, but he faced resistance from kind of New York City itself, uh, and the team moved to New Jersey to share the Giants Stadium. Uh, the last game at Shea Stadium famously had the New Jersey Jets uh, signed on the scoreboard, and it was ripped up by fans for souvenirs. Uh, hoping the Giants would change the stadium name to something other than the Giants Stadium. They didn't. Uh, so the Jets did play at Giants Stadium until 2009, uh, where they couldn't really cover up stuff. So it was all red and blue seats as well. So not ideal for a, a franchise team. Um, more legal issue, issues happened when they tried to move away. Uh, and then Jets and Giants built the stadium we all know today in a 50-50 venture, uh, which does both Jets and Giants colours the MetLife Stadium. Uh, any questions kind of how the Jets got started? Do you think that if Belichick stayed at the Jets, it all would have happened in East Rutherford? No, um, mainly because he clearly didn't want to be there and he clearly wanted to be at the Patriots. So th there's the question of would he, have, would he have been happy and tried as hard? Obviously, you're not going to say he wouldn't try, but... They wouldn't have had the same picks. They wouldn't have got Brady or all the all the kind of butterfly effects. The fact I believe it would have made the Jets a lot better because clearly Bill Belichick's a genius. But I don't think they would have six Super Bowls and all that success. Okay, so on to some of the superstars that the Jets have had. Um, there's really one name that comes to mind when you think of the Jets, and that's Joe Namath, uh, also known as Broadway Joe, number twelve. Uh, he's still the unofficial ambassador for them, uh, even this late on. Uh, Namath played from 1965 to 1976 and went into the Hall of Fame in 2010. Uh, he came from the you know, University of Alabama, the Crimson, Crimson Tide, uh, and he came into the league really hot. Uh, obviously, there was two leagues at the time, so got the AFL and the NFL. Uh, Joe Namath was such a hot commodity that they drafted on the same day so that a team had the opportunity to get him. He was just this good. Uh, it wound up being the Jets from the AFL that drafted him first overall and the Cardinals, St. Louis Cardinals drafted him, I think 12th overall uh, on the same day. Uh, so he had two options to go play for two teams. He uh, said he wanted a $200,000 salary and a new Lincoln Continental, a new car. 
the Cardinals agreed to this kind of salary if he would sign before the Orange Bowl, which would forego his eligibility and not allow him to play in that, uh, obviously, his senior, senior bowl game. So as a consequence, he chose the Jets and got that 200000 with the Lincoln Continental. Uh, AFL at this time, right at the beginning, was kind of the lesser league to its big brother, the NFL. Uh, the Jets made Super Bowl three. Uh, no one could thought they could take Don Shula's Baltimore Colts. Um, one of the the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons kind of famously said, uh, "I'll tell you who I think can win when Joe Namath actually plays a professional football game on Sunday," uh, hinting that the AFL wasn't anywhere near as good as the NFL. Uh, Namath was getting bothered by the media uh, with all this criticism. Uh, infamously said, "We're going to win the game. I guarantee it." Uh, the rest is history, and Namath's guarantee brought the AFL into the kind of spotlight, and they were now a proper league that could take it to Don Shula's Colts, uh, which was a pretty famous team at the time. A uh, lot of famous moments uh, with Joe Namath, so it's hard to choose his best pits, but he's very well known for wearing these very large pimp fur coats on the sideline. Uh, the first 4,000-yard passer uh, in the league uh, and the first quarterback to win the Natty at college a professional league championship, the AFL championship in this case, and a Super Bowl. Uh, and in 2019, he was actually voted as the league's greatest character, uh, beating out Al Davis and Brett Favre. Uh, I watched him on Peyton's Places on the NFL Network. He's a, he, even, I think he's like 80 something years old now. He's a proper character. He's he's very interesting person. I'd recommend you, you read up on him. He's an absolute uh, don at the game. Uh, second guy I've got here is Daryl Revis, uh, number 24. Uh, Jets' greatest defensive back uh, so far. Uh, his nickname Revis Island because you could put him on the opposing team's number one wide receiver, and then that wide receiver's now on an island, uh, e.g. no one's going to throw to him. Uh, you've got the famous head coach Weeb Eubank, uh, called Weeb. He's actually called Wilbur, uh, but his little brother called him Weeb. Uh, head coach during the name of years. Uh, is the only coach with an NFL and AFL championship and a Super Bowl. Uh, and went into the Hall of Fame in 1978. Uh, we've got Curtis Martin, number 28, uh, running back, retired for the Jets, uh, and entered the Hall of Fame in 2012. He's the fourth all-time rusher and was the league rushing leader at the age of 31, which is the oldest it's ever been, uh, taken out of the game by a career-ending knee injury in 2006. Uh, we've got Kevin Marway, who played centre from 98 to 2005, seven-time uh, first-team All-Pro, uh, entered Hall of Fame last year. Uh, and also Don Maynard, uh, who was a wide receiver from 1960 to 72. So played alongside Art Powell and Joe Namath. Uh, the first wide receiver tandem to put up 1,000 yards each and ended the Hall of Fame in 1987. He retired as the leader in receptions and yards receiving. So uh, he was like one of the original best receivers. Uh, we've got a couple of other famous Jets legends, such as Brett Favre, John Riggins, Art Monk, Bill Belichick, LaDainian Tomlinson, Ed Reed, and Steve Atwater, all very famous Jets players. There's uh, a couple of rivalries. Obviously, you guys mentioned most of them. There's the classic interdivisional rivalries. Um, Bill's heating up a bit as Josh Allen and Sam Darnold being uh, cut from the same draft. Uh, Rex Ryan kind of heated up the Dolphins rivalry a little bit with it by flipping them off and stuff like that. Patriots, from what I could tell, is the biggest rivalry there. Uh, obviously, Joe. You, you often mention how much you don't like them. Uh, it's been going since like the 60s. They knocked each other out of the playoffs. Uh, and around the turn of the century, obviously Parcells went from the Pats to the Jets and then Belichick went from the Jets back to the Pats. 
Uh, and then in 2001, the Jets infamously took out Bledsoe, uh, which caused the Pats to start the then backup Tom Brady. So you can think of the Jets basically caused 20 years of pain. Uh, and in 2006, there was also Spygate, uh, where the Pats were punished for filming the Jets' defensive coach signals. Uh, but you can read into that more if you're interested. And of course, there is the Giants-Jets rivalry, uh, as they share stadiums. It's a bit of a weird one because they do get along so well. They, they've had like a 26-year lease together. Uh, it's got going really well. And they only play each other every four years uh, outside of... Uh, well, every four years in the regular season. So it's a, it's a bit of a weird rivalry. Uh, jerseys, I just wanted to shout out. When they were the Titans, they wore navy blue and gold, uh, which were these really lovely jerseys that they occasionally get thrown back to. Uh, so any questions kind of there about some of the star players or the jerseys or the rivalries? You, you you mentioned about them being called the Titans and rivalries, right? It just made me think of a little story, and I'll be quick, right? Okay. So, obviously, I'm from Liverpool. I'm a Liverpool fan. But we have the other big club here, the other big Premier League football club, Everton. So, a uh, big shopping centre, Liverpool City Centre shopping centre, is called Liverpool One. Uh, Everton decided to set up a, a store to sell all of their merchandise, a, a shop in, in the shopping centre to set up all their merchandise, and decided to call it Everton Two. <laughs> so it's Ever- Ever- Everton two, Liverpool one. So you were saying about about Titans being bigger than Giants. It just it made me laugh because the probably the the, the lesser team in that city is having snipey little digs at the other team, and it just it made me made me giggle like. Yeah, I think they'll always look up to the Giants uh, until they get another Super Bowl because I think it's the longest drought. Well, they're one of three teams that has won the only Super Bowl they've been in alongside the Saints and the Bucks. But they've just had not much, except outside of like three AFC championships, I think. Um, maybe four. They've just not been too good. But they've got such good history that if they do start to find a reason why a success, maybe one or two Super Bowls, it'll actually push them over the Giants again, maybe. Maybe. Like, like I was saying earlier today, I very nearly became a Jets fan. Very nearly. Back in, back with the but fumble Sanchez was playing. I do like the Jets. They are one of my favourite AFC teams. And so, yeah, uh, with the current team, uh, the Jets, like I said, they haven't had much success. uh, But with the massive shift in power the AFC East has just had, um, Brady's really leaving the division open now. Uh, Adam Gase is the head coach. Uh, He's got a lot of flack around him, but he has had success in the past, uh, just not recently. So it's a is kind of a controversial leader, so we'll see how he meshes with his team with a second year. Um, Joe Douglas is the general manager. He picked up from the Eagles last year. Big loss for us because uh, he's a, he's very good at picking in the draft, and you could instantly see his impact because they signed about twenty five offensive linemen in the free agency. Uh, and with the draft, they took um, Mecky Beckton. Uh, was it Mecky Beckton first overall? Uh, not first, they were all first round, so they really tried to fix that O-line, which was a problem last year. Uh, you've got Jamal Adams as kind of the leader of the defence. He's a really exciting defensive back. I'm a big fan of Jamal Adams. Uh, you've also got CJ Mosley, who came over from the Ravens, and Quinn and Williams, who was uh, a very highly touted r- rookie. Unfortunately, he was injured, so hopefully his sophomore season's a bit better. Uh, and then obviously on the offense, Sam Darnold and Livion Bell are the two big names. Uh, so the the Jets have definitely got the the right players to build around. That I don't. There's not any one 
massive glare and weakness I could see. Uh, their last year was bad, but they had a very, very unlucky season. Uh, Darnold, Sam Darnold, the starting quarterback, got mono, which is glandular fever, uh, which took him out for a few weeks, and that's just something you don't hear. And it was like, he couldn't play, because if you got hit, he just could die on the spot. So, yeah, yeah, not having your starting quarterback. I think they eventually went down to their third string as well. Uh, really not good. Quinn and Williams missed most of the season as well. Uh, new offensive line. I, I really do think the Jets could be the, the the contention in the AFC East, obviously. Dolphins have shown they've got really good coaching and kind of the, all these young players. Bills are probably the favourite going in. But I, I think the, the Jets really could be the the surprise in that division. Do you think Sam Darnold is the guy? I think Sam Darnold is good. I don't think I think it's such a weird that that kind of clutch of quarterbacks, uh, obviously from Baker to Lamar, it's been such a mixed pot because Baker's obviously had a great rookie season. His sophomore was a bit eh. Darnold had a, a his rookie season showed glimpses of really good stuff, but he didn't really have a good team. And obviously, his second year he gets knocked out for half a season with a an a bloody glandular fever. Then you've got Josh Rosen, who's been gone to the shadow realm. Lamar Jackson's the MVP. Like all this cr- crazy stuff coming out of that. I, I think Darnold's going to be the next surprise coming out of there, given this year or next year. I really think he's going to step up for them. Sort of going along Craig's question there. Um, Darnold or Allen? I think they're different. Like uh, Josh Allen, yeah. he can run. Like, even though he looks like a kind of a big farm boy, like we've seen him run. He's, I think he was above Lamar for some rushing touchdowns as well. So that's what the Bills want to play around. Darnold's a pocket passer. Um, he reminds me kind of like Aaron Rodgers, Carson Wentz, in the sense that he's a good scrambler, but he's, he's not going to win with his legs like Josh Allen will. Um, but with the offensive line they've given him, I think they've given him the opportunity to succeed now. And it's just going to be, him meshing with Gase and his receivers and hopefully Le'Veon Bell gets back to his kind of top three rankings there. Yeah, I agree. I think, think I think Darnold's a good good quarterback. But do you think Darnold's comments when he was mic'd up last year in a game, he said he was seeing ghosts? Do you think I, I think that's gonna, all nonsense. That's going to dent his confidence? No, because the NFL messed up with him. Like he, he could just look at that and go, end of the day, they fucked up. He, it shouldn't be something that's affecting him. And he was not having a great season. Yeah, I think... The NFL shouldn't, shouldn't have shown that clip, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. Because I'm sure there's plenty of other quarterbacks in the rookie season or whatever have said worse than that and sort of not been recorded and it's not been released. Because that's just made it look like he was scared, which is not fair on anyone. So Yeah, it's like every, everyone's had their that. welcome to the NFL moment, like... You see some Hall of Fame players talk about the time they got hit so hard. They were, oh, there's the famous Ocho Cinco trying to take out Ray Lewis. And he comes off on the sideline. He's like, oh my God, I tried to stop Ray. And he just ran me over. Like, yeah, he's going to have a time. It's just, I think it was terrible the NFL released that. As, as a Dolphins fan, obviously, Gase sort of bottomed out with this. Um, he's obviously touted as a sort of quarterback whisperer. But is that really him, or was that just sort of Peyton Manning, obviously, that he worked with? Did you really think that he'll work his magic with Darnold? Oh, no, it was all Peyton Manning. I, I, I don't. I think Gase is the next Jeff Fisher. He's 
going to just, he's never going to be good. He's going to be a perennial eight and eight, nine and seven best. I, I think personally, the Jets should get rid of him as soon as possible, but they might prove me wrong. He's, he has had success in the past, whether it was just Manning being one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Maybe. I don't like him. I think he's a bad leader. I don't think the locker room likes him. There are, like he's had issues with players before. I, I just think they need. They, they've not, not a good look with coaches for ages since. So even Rex Ryan wasn't great for them after a while. No, I think you're right with the locker room, really. It's a big thing. And obviously, I think that's why he, he sort of forced his way out of Miami. And, he, and he, obviously, he tried with Tannehill. Um, but, you know, we just saw the same Ryan Tannehill for the many years that he was in Miami. So, Yeah, and it's such a shame because you, you look at the Jets team and there are some, like, Jamal Adams, he's one of my favourite young players. He's... Uh, Gives me big like Malcolm Jenkins vibes. He's he's such a leader of on on that team that it, it's and then you there's obviously the stories Le'Veon Bell not getting along with Adam Gase. Like he just he needs to let that team run itself. And I, I don't think he can because there there are some teams like look at the obviously I know about the Eagles a lot. We are run by the the captain players they're the ones who run the team and Peterson they all love Peterson because he lets that kind of function Gase tries to interfere too much of that I think and he just naturally let the leaders kind of run the team have we made it 20 minutes in talking about the Jets and not talking about the butt fumble do you want to describe the butt fumble for us Craig I'll let you do it mate it's your, your segment I'm just I'm surprised it didn't come up so Probably one of the most infamous plays of all time. Uh, what was it? Was it a playoff game with Mark Sanchez? Yeah, I believe it was playoffs. Yeah, yeah, it was playoffs. Sands. Uh, so Mark Sanchez takes the ball. Uh, I think it was shotgun. Uh, he looks kind of musses up with the ball. Decides right, I'll I'll run this. He runs straight into his right tackle's ass and drops the ball. Uh, therefore, letting the I can't remember who they're playing. Was it the Pats? Patriots, yeah. Yeah, Pats uh, picked up the fumble, and it's it's just not something you want to see a quarterback do, really. Fumble off your own lineman's ass. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, that's all four AFC East teams. Uh, Craig, do you want to give us a final kind of pep talk for the Bills? Yeah, so if you if you want a team that they're, um, they're in a good time zone, which helps, I think, be a, a good place to visit. I think you've been there, haven't you, Tim? Didn't you say it was a good place to visit? Yeah, I had a great time. I was there January. You, they're, not, they're not your your average bandwagon team. You're talking about a team that have not really won a Super Bowl and they've had a lot of years of here, but they're definitely up and coming and looking like a, a force to contend with. Uh, nice jersey colours and they're just all around some of the craziest fans in the NFL. So if you like a good tailgate and you like a good time, some some hardcore fans and the, the Bills could be the team for you. Okay, so going on to the Patriots. So, you know, the Patriots are a very successful team. Uh, it's one of the main reasons a lot of people uh, give them their support. They represent not just a city or a state, but a whole region. That's a lot of people. You're going to make a lot of friends in the northeast of the USA if you support the Pats. So it's a fresh start next year. No expectations. So, you know, just completely fresh, going to see what happens. Everyone hates you. So if you thrive off that, it's great. 
Or you can just do what I did and support them because they had the word England in their name. Simple as that. I can relate there, being a Liverpool fan. I'm used to the hatred. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I bet you are. Simon, why should we support the Dolphins? Um, as everyone else always says, you know, Florida is a great state to visit. Miami's great for a weekend. Me and Tim can vouch for that when we went many, many years ago and we beat the Raiders at the same time. Um, <laughs> we need the fans. Our home attendances, unfortunately, are not the best at the minute. Uh, so quite often the visiting team has more fans in the stands than the, the home team. So that'd be good. Boost the numbers up. We're obviously going to be an up-and-coming team. We've got some good young players. Um, and hopefully we're going to turn some heads this year. Um, get out and buy your tour jersey. I do like that. That like teal jersey. I've always liked that. The old school Dolphins jerseys are gorgeous. Yeah. Nice yeah, there's a lot of discussion in the fan base a minute about whether they want to go back to the sort of uh, 80s sort of logo rather than the sort of new one that Stephen Ross oh, brought what, on. The dolphin, the dolphin with the helmet on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, a that, that's a better logo. logo. That's a good logo. Yeah, it's a good yeah, logo. So again, I think whether that will come back, I guess we'll see how successful the team is this year and whether uh, the fans get their wish. My wife's favourite NFL logo, that one. <laughs> Fins up. I always knew she had good taste, Tim. <laughs> uh, support the Jets. Uh, jerseys are clean. They've got new ones, so they're not going to be changing for a while. Green, black and white. Can't really go wrong with that. Just like the, the lovely Eagles, uh, you've got a young team, good, good uh, foundation to build around. Young quarterback, young franchise quarterback, which is always exciting to uh, follow uh, on a new team. Uh, you've got so the throwback jerseys, lovely, and just generally a team that you can't say they've not won a Super Bowl because they have. You've got Joe Namath as kind of the the Hall of Fame jersey to get, and they're just a an. No one hates the Jets except Pats fans. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. All right, boys. Who who do you, who do we think's made the most convincing argument there? Who are we all following now? Um, to be honest, I'm, I'd go Dolphins. I am. Um, I've got a little bit of a soft spot for the Dolphins. Um, I had a couple of little Dolphins like T-shirts and caps and stuff when I was younger than that, and I was a big fan of Ace Ventura when I was a kid. That sort of led me to introduce me to Dan Marino, and I've seen some of his film and stuff. So, um, yeah, it'd, it'd, be, it'd definitely be Miami. Joe, if you weren't a Pats fan? Yeah, so if I weren't a Pats fan, so if I actually had a look at all of this, and this is accounts for the whole NFL, if I was choosing a team and what I knew of them now, Bills would be probably the team I'd pick. So, and Craig, Craig did really well with them. So, yeah, the Bills. Tim, if you had to choose someone? I I agree. I'd go with the Bills. Up and coming team. It's a small t- it's like a small town feel to it. So yeah, Bills. Simon, could you ever even think about supporting a different AFC's team? Um, probably not, but I think if I would, I would actually go for Buffalo as well, more because I I'd, I'd like to sort of go to one of their tailgate parties. I think obviously <laughs> the team are up and coming, but I think the tailgate party would be such a great experience. Probably just stand back and watch while you have a beer, but not get involved. But I think, yeah, that'd be great. If you could pick another NFL team, regardless of the vision, who would it be? Because I've been asking this to whoever we've had on. What about yourself? Um, for, for me, I'd probably Green Bay. I think I've, I've always liked watching oh. Aaron Rodgers. 
So oh, sorry. Not. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. I, I'm, I'm, I don't see what's offensive about that personally. I quite like. You just like teams with really famous quarterbacks. Not necessarily. Again, I remember watching the the Packers in the eighties, and they weren't the best side then. As I'm sure Tim could remember as well. Um, yep. And sort of seeing them come through. I, I, Aaron Rodgers is the one player I would love to sort of see over here as well. I hope that does happen before he probably moves to the Patriots next season or something. But yeah, it's the uh, Packers are the only team that had never played in England. Yeah, yeah and that, that's something I would like to see. It's just because the, the the tickets are so expensive; they have to try and find it in a away game. Yeah, I mean they're they're one of the protected ones, aren't they? They're never giving up a home game to come over. Oh, here. Not, never giving up a home game. No. Honestly, I thought I'd come out of this wanting to choose the Bills, the the the, the Bills, because I am a fan of the Bills. But I think I've I'd actually choose Miami now, just because. Yeah, if you're going to go and watch them, you got Hard Rock Stadium, which is lovely. You get to sit in the sun. You get to spend a weekend in Miami, and the tickets are get cheap. A pool box. It's like, yeah, you get you get a drink of beer in the pool while watching football. Can you just imagine how bizarre that would feel like? So you're telling me I couldn't convince anyone to uh, come to the dark side now? I was pretty close to it, mate. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> really? Oh, that was too it. Many to do that. oh, yeah, I'm completely lying. It's too, <laughs> oh, much, it's too much history there for me. I can't, I can't do it. If it helps, I'll support you over the Cowboys. I'll take it. I'll take it and run. Okay, so thank you for listening to that one. I know it was a, a bit of a longer one. Uh, but we we do like the AFC East, and obviously it's going to be one of the more hotly contested divisions. Uh, please let us know if this has helped you make your mind up. Uh, we do enjoy researching into all these teams. Uh, give us any questions you've got about any of them, and we'll uh, attempt to answer them for you. Uh, and thank you, Simon, for kind of giving us opinion about the Dolphins and uh, appearing on us for that. Thank you for that, Simon. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, cheers, cheers mate. Sir. Thanks for Good coming on. Good talk to you. And I hope everyone stays safe and thanks for listening. That's all. Just win, baby. Fins up. You know it. Defend the dead. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one.